0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Jesus tells parables about being lost and found. There's three of them in a row in Luke 15, and we have two of them. The parable of the seeking and finding shepherd and the, the parable of the sweeping and finding widow. The third parable of the prodigal son is not in the text, but that merciful father is the point. These parables establish our hearts in the Lord's mercy, and they give to us sinners a blessed rest, which is ours in the gospel, which, is, which we need. We need this rest because the devil himself never rests. He is, says St. Peter, constantly prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. That is, the devil is coming after you to devour you with a great rage, the Scriptures warn us, because he knows that his time is short. The devil himself knows where he is headed, and he wants you there with him. So he is constantly scraping and clawing at you to drag you away from the Lord's gift of life. Now, I don't know how this scraping and clawing is exactly with each one of you. How the devil tempts you. There might be with you a handful of sins that the devil continues to put in front of you. Sins that you know and feel in your heart that you fight against, but you think you'll never win the battle. The devil with these is coaxing you to despair. How could God possibly love you? Look at what a miserable sinner you are. But then, and I'd like to spend a little bit of time, as much as we can in the heat, thinking about another playground that the devil has with us, and that is the sins that we do not feel, that we don't feel in our heart, that don't trouble our conscience, what the Bible calls hidden faults from Psalm 19. These are the sins that we do or say or think, but we don't even know that they're sinful. Our consciences have been hardened to to the point that we don't feel the pain of these sins. Gossip is, for example, one of them. It fits into this category. We have to be so careful that our speaking of other people is done in kindness and for the benefit of their reputation. Gossip is one of these deadly sins that destroys friendship and destroys love, but we don't even notice that it's happening. If our consciences, though, need tenderizing in this regard, then we need to only remember one or two times when we have been the object Of gossip. And then we know what kind of damage it does. Every time we open our mouths to speak ill of our neighbor. Or greed. Greed is another one. One of these sins that flies below the radar of the conscience. The Lord Jesus would have His people to be marked with generosity. In their love and care for our neighbors. But greed puts a cap on our compassion. And we justify our own stinginess. Greed is like the grubs that are at this very moment eating the roots of your grass. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We don't even notice it ha- it's happening until one day, some hot day, the entire yard is dried up to nothing. This is what greed does to your love. Or pride. Pride's on this list of, as well of often undetected sin. Over and over and over, on almost every single page, the Bible warns us about pride. Tells us of God's wrath towards the proud. It even tells us that the that the fall of the devil and the demons was the result of pride. And yet we don't even uh, we don't even notice it in our conscience. If dear saints will indulge me for just a quick minute, I'd like to speculate about pride because this is not in the scriptures, at least that i found it, but. I think, this is my opinion, I think that the devil will often trouble us with more obvious sins so that we miss these subtle ones. That we're so busy dealing with and repenting of our anger or our lust or our greed that we miss our pride and the other spiritual sins. Our sins against the second table of the law, against the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth commandments, are so obvious to us that we forget about the first table of the law, about the sin of pride or the sin of unbelief or the sin of fearing and loving and trusting, whatever it is but God. Now, again, it's speculation. And if this is not a specific strategy of the devil, we can at least know it as a danger. It's like breaking your arm and getting cancer on the same day. And you're so busy dealing with your broken arm that you don't notice the cancer until it's too late. And while we're busy repenting of the sins that we do know, the sins that we don't know are busy eating away our conscience. And for this reason, the Holy Spirit continues to do His work in us, convicting the world of sin. That is, convicting us of sin. It's precisely through the law of God that the Holy Spirit is like a meat tenderizer, tenderizing our conscience and showing us our sin. It is, if you would imagine the picture, and I might have said this before, so forgive me if I did, but it's like it's like being on the beach when the tide is going down. And as the water level recedes, all the filth and nastiness on the beach is exposed. So as your own conscience becomes more and more tender, you start to see more of the stink and filth of your sin. More and more of the beach, more and more of your sin, more and more of your pride and lust and anger comes to light. And we have more and more to repent of. This is what's happening in the epistle lesson. Peter, in chapter 5, has taken up this topic of pride and the sister sin of pride, worry, which is another one of those sins that goes unnoticed. How many times have you, I'm going to ask you this, and you could tell me later, don't answer now, but how many times have you, during the confession of sins, in the beginning of the service, mentioned to God, among all of your sins, mentioned worry? And yet worry is a sin against the first and most important commandment. Worry is a lack of trust in God as our Heavenly Father. It is a lack of trust that He will provide for all that we need in this life and in the life to come. God has given us His promise. And what do we do with the promise? We doubt them. That is, we worry and we think nothing of them. But worry, warns Peter, gives opportunity to the devil. Here it is from the text. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Cast all of your worries on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Our anxieties, in other words, our worries are opportunities for the devil. Our worry is a foothold for his temptation to doubt. Now, tell me if you've ever thought of worry that way. But it is indeed a serious thing. Worry, in fact, is nothing other than doubting God's goodness and doubting His provision and doubting His promises. But Peter gives us marvelously specific instruction about what to do with worry. Peter says... Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Paul gives the same advice. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. The Bible instructs us to turn our worry into prayer. To cast our cares On the Lord. The the Lord's Christians, that is, we, should have this pattern. Whenever we worry, we pray. Whenever we're anxious, we give thanks. I, in fact, your saints, would like you to try this this week and for the rest of your life too. But let's just start with this week, shall we? Every time you realize that you're worrying, every time you realize you're worrying, stop and pray. Tell the Lord what you're worried about. Tell Him that even though you're worried, you trust in His care. And give thanks to Him for all that He's given to you. For caring for you in all of your needs. Ask the Lord each day, each morning this week, for strength to do this very thing. To fight back worry with faith and trust in the Lord. But pastor, you say, if I do this, I'll be praying every minute of every day. Do you you see how much you worry already you're worried about this? (laughs) It wouldn't be bad to pray every day. And I suspect that if the devil sees you praying every time you worry, that he'll bring to you less worries because he doesn't like you when you pray. But even when we fail at this, uh, even when our conscience becomes more and more tender to our sins, of pride and of worry and of greed and all of these things, there's always more. There's always more shame in this life. There is always more trouble and temptation. And we see that as our conscience becomes more and more tender, we realize that we have more and more to repent of and we, and we wonder when we'll ever come to the end of it. The tide keeps going down and we, we wonder when, when one day we'll finally get to a piece of clean beach. But here's the terrible news. It will never happen. Today we repent of greed. Tomorrow we repent of worry. Tuesday we repent of pride. But we never run out of things to repent of because there's always more sin and there's always more failure. But here's the good news. Even this And listen, even this, your sin, is nothing to worry about because Jesus has died for you. In the end, the end of our worry is not in our own efforts, but in Christ. The end of our anxiety is not in our own goodness, but in His cross. The end of our trouble is not in overcoming it by our own efforts, but is found in the empty tomb. And this is why the gospel lesson that we heard today should be written with gold letters on our heart. Because when we know our own damnable sin, then the knowledge that Jesus is our Savior rings through with such wonderful sweetness. When we know the depth of our own sinfulness, Then we begin to see the height of His love, that He is the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find you, a sinner. Jesus is the widow who lights the lamp and sweeps the corner of the house, who gets down on His hands and knees in the cobwebs and in the nastiness of this world so that He can find you, the lost coin. Jesus is the one who lays aside everything so that He can have you, So that He can find you. So that He can die for you. So that He can rescue you. So that He can save you. So that He can forgive you. The devil, remember, wants you with Him. But Jesus wants you with Him also. With you. A poor, miserable sinner. He wants to dwell with you. He wants you enough, in spite of your sin, to die for you. And, and, it is His joy... And his delight to have mercy and kindness on you. A sinner. A fretting, worrying, doubting, greedy, lazy, lustful, angry sinner. To have you. And call you his own. And keep you. There is more joy in heaven. Did you hear that in the text? More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. So we rejoice this morning that we are sinners who know our sin and are known by our Savior. And this is our comfort and peace. In the name of Jesus, Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding Guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.